The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. So this is Paul writing to the early church to give both encouragement and a reminder of, of what we believe as a church. So it's true to this day. He says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely has given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of this will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were, first put, who, who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked with him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing the inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. Acts Church, would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that in this time, as we uh, encounter your word through the book of Ephesians, Lord, that we are drawn into your story. Lord, that we see a little bit better into the plan that you have for this world, the plan that you have for our own lives, uh, and how we can get in sync with it. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So as an Acts network, we are all embarking on a new series through the book of Ephesians. We started this last week at the Acts family reunion. And each church here at Leander and Lakeway, Lakeline, and Kyle are all going to be going through the book of Ephesians chapter by chapter, week by week. And one of the cool things is that you're going to be able to hear not just how God is speaking here at Leander, but you're going to be able to check out what's going on over at Lakeline and see how God's speaking over there in Lakeway and Kyle and getting different perspectives on the book of Ephesians. And so we're really excited about that. But before we dive into chapter one, there's a question I want you to think about for a second. Think for a moment, when is a time where you've really wrestled with a decision you were supposed to make and whether or not God had a plan for that decision? Right? And this happens to all of us. Maybe it was back in high school and you were thinking, should I date one of these three people, right? And so you've got these three options that you can go with. Or maybe it was, should I go into one of these 500 different career paths? Should I be a teacher? Or should I be a forest worker? Or should I go into law enforcement? Or into the military? Or become a doctor? Whatever it is, all of us have choices we can make. And sometimes having too many choices can be terrifying, right? Because at that point, 
The issue is, if I've only got a one in 1,000 chance of getting the right one right, what's the real reality? What's the real likelihood I'm going to make the right choice? At the same time, though, if there's only two options, that can almost be as terrifying because then it's a 50-50 shot. And if you screw it up, there's almost this burden. There's this shame of like, oh my gosh, I only had two choices and somehow I picked the wrong one. The question of what God's plan is, what's going to be the best, is something that all of us wrestle with. And what's really cool is that in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, Paul addresses that issue head on. Before we get there, though, let's start with the beginning of the chapter where Paul writes this. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians was written by Paul to a church that he had planted. He had spent about two years in Ephesus teaching them about who Jesus was building this church up, and then he went on to plant other churches. And so in a lot of ways, it's almost like Pastor Gabe would be writing a letter back to Acts Church Leander, trying to encourage them, trying to challenge them, right? Trying to help us understand who this God was. They have this deep relationship. And what's interesting is that at this point, Paul is actually in prison, right? So he's not in this super happy space that we would typically consider happy, at least, in the, you know, U.S. American mindset. And yet, as he's writing, he's talking about peace, he's talking about praise, he's talking to his family, and he's excited, and he goes on to talk about God's plan. Ephesians continues in chapter uh, 1, verse 3, and he says, Praise be to God and our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose in us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, In the love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Check that out. How many times it talks about God's plan, right? So praise be to our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, for in him he chose us before creation. All right, so God's plan to be holy and blameless in his sight. In him he predestined us for adoption to Christ Jesus through his pleasure and his will for his grace because he loves us. Again and again and again, Paul addresses and makes the assertion that God had a plan. That before he said, let there be light, before Genesis 1, God had a plan. And Paul says that each of us as God's children were a part of that plan. Before God set the first domino of creation into existence, he knew you, he wanted you to be a part of his family, and he had a plan for you. I mean, that's some heavy stuff, right? That's some deep stuff. And as we talk about whether or not God has a plan for our lives, starting with the fact, starting with the truth that before creation even existed, he knew us. He knew what he was going to do with us. He knew how he was going to move in our life. That is powerful. That is a foundation that we can build upon. But that's pre-Genesis 3, which then kind of begs the question, okay, so if God had this plan, and we know chapter 1 in Genesis, everything is good. Chapter 2, he creates this relationship between man and wife and God and creation, and everything is really good. And then we get to Genesis chapter 3, and mankind decides, you know what, God, we've got a better plan. 
We actually think we would be a better God than you would. And so we rebel. We bring sin, we bring brokenness, we bring chaos into every relationship in creation. And for lack of a better word, everything goes to hell. Literally. Things start separating from God, and that's what hell is. And so the question is, did God know that, and how does that work with God's plan? Well, for that, Peter had some good things to say to the church. In 2 Peter 3, he says this, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. For with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. This is one of those rare times where the Bible was ahead of the scientists by about 2,000 years. Because you see, what we know now is that time is relative. And in fact, if you are going the speed of light, there is no time. There is just existence. There is just everything. And God is light. God exists outside of time. And so the easiest way I can explain how this is going to work, and we're going to talk about how God doesn't have a plan B for your life today. God does not have a plan B for creation today. And this is how this works, and this is why this works. It's almost like God is playing a game of chess. But he knows what his opponent is going to do before they do. And whether or not he agrees with what they're going to do, whether or not he says, yeah, that's a good decision to make or not a good decision to make, he already knows it's coming. And so he can set up other pieces on the chessboard in preparation for that move. And see, that's what God does with us. That's what God does with his plan. And this is heavy, church. This is true because it allows him to account for our mistakes and our rebellion and our brokenness and times where we don't make the right choice, where we don't love. And in our own human nature, we can be like, oh my gosh, I'm outside of God's plan now. I'm too broken. I've been disqualified. But the truth of the matter is no. God is always on plan A. And as Paul writes about in the beginning of the chapter, he predestined you. He has a will and a plan for you. In fact, he has a will and a plan for all creation. And we see how he begins to solve that as Paul goes on in chapter 1. It says, In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us, with all wisdom and pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times had reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things under heaven and under earth. See, we're still on God's plan A. The plan was always that Jesus would come and he would redeem and he would restore and he would put back the broken things that humanity had wrought. And that doesn't mean that there aren't consequences to our actions, right? And so when we sin, when we make a decision that we know is not in line with what God wants, there are consequences to that. When we hurt someone, relationships start to separate. When we sin, when we allow that brokenness into our life, that darkness into our life, it has repercussions. There are consequences. But hear this clearly. Even though there are consequences to sin, in Christ and because of Christ, nothing you do 
ever disqualifies you from God's plan. Nothing you do ever takes you out of God's plan A. What God wants to do through you because he loves you. And if you hear nothing else today, have the confidence of that, that you have a God who fights for you, a God who advocates for you. We sang a song earlier about this reckless love of God, that there is no mountain that he won't climb, no wall he won't tear down, no lie he won't destroy to bring you back into relationship with him, to put you back on the right side of a relationship with him, with the world, and with people. The question, though, is, okay, so if that's true, well, how do we get back in sync with God's plan? Well, Paul talks about that, too. It says, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him, right? So again, we're talking about the plan, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we who were first put our hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory, and you also, Acts Church Leander, were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Paul says, because of Jesus, we have this never-ending on-ramp into the plan and the will of what God is doing. And there is confidence there. There is beauty there. Because sometimes, as people, we can look back at our lives and say, if only I had made this decision differently. If only I had made this decision differently. If only I had made this decision differently. Things would have turned out better. And as I was trying to think through what's a good way to explain this, I remembered the story of Prince Caspian and C.S. Lewis. And he's writing about Lucy. And at one point in this fictional tale, Lucy sees Aslan, who represents God, and Aslan is across this ravine, and he's trying to get her to follow him. And Lucy tells her family, hey, I think I see Aslan over there, but her brothers and her sisters, they don't believe her. And so she's like, you know what? I'm not going to follow this God that I know. I'm going to stick with my family. I'm going to make this other choice. And things go bad. And a little while later, she sees Aslan again. And she's, she's wrought. She's got this burden that she made the wrong choice. And she says this. She says, what if I would have chosen differently? And this is Aslan's response. To know what would have happened, child, says Aslan. Well, nobody has ever told that. Right? So none of us are supposed to look back and say, what if I made this decision, what would have happened? God doesn't put that on us. But anyone can find out what will happen, Aslan said. You see, if you go back now to the others and wake them up and tell them you have seen me again and that you must all get up and follow me, what will happen, there's only one way to find out. See, God doesn't want us to look back at all of our past mistakes and carry that burden, carry that obligation that we were somehow supposed to be perfect. And because we weren't perfect, we can never get in sync with God again. That is not the plan. That is not what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 1. But if you notice in Ephesians 1, while there is certainly a personal on-ramp into the plans of God, it's about the plan of God first and foremost. In a way, I set this sermon up where all of us were going to fail because I said, what is God's plan for your life? And that's a dangerous question when that becomes the center of the story. Because whenever we put our 
life at the center of what God is doing, that's sin. That's what got us in trouble in Genesis 3 in the first place. When we are more concerned with what God is doing in our lives than what God is doing and what is our role in it, we end up in a weird spot. But when we flip it and we start by saying, you know what, no, I want to know what God's plan is for creation. I want to know what God's plan is for the world. I want to know what God's plan is for my community and my family. When you start with understanding what God's plan is, and then the secondary question becomes, okay, if that's what God is doing, if this is where God is going, what is my unique role in his plan? How has he uniquely built me and equipped me and brought me into his family as a child to be a part of what God is doing? That is a much healthier, that is a much more beautiful, that is a much more liberating question. And in fact, when we ask that question, what we see is that we are liberated from the bondage of selfishness. And we're liberated to make decisions without having to have the burden of getting it perfectly right all the time. There's freedom there. There is joy there. And all of a sudden, we don't look at choices. We don't look at the myriad of different things we can do on any given day, what house we're going to buy, what job we're going to have, what state we're going to live in. We don't look at it as a burden. We look at it as an opportunity to say, God, I want to be in sync with what you are doing, and I'm going to do the best I can with what I have down here, and I'm going to trust that you're going to cover the spread, that it's still part of your plan A. We're liberated in that. We have freedom in that. So the question becomes, well, how do we end up knowing what God's plan is, what he's trying to do? Well, again, Paul is really thorough in chapter 1. He goes on and he says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, he said, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of God's possession to the praise of his glory. And then Paul has a prayer for his church. And he says, I keep asking that the Lord our God the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know him better. Paul says, I want you to have wisdom and revelation into what God is doing, and we're going to get that through the Spirit. Because I pray that your eyes and your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope that which you were called to believe, the riches of his glorious inheritance of his holy people, and the incomparably great power for those of us who believe. Paul writes to the church and he says, you have access to the Spirit and the Spirit is going to teach you the story of God. The Spirit is going to get you in sync with the plans of God. And so you have direct access to the Father because of the Spirit. You don't need me as a pastor to be your only intercessor. God says, I want you to be my child. I want to have a relationship with you. I want you to know I'm a good father to you. And so we pray and then we engage in the story of God through the scriptures and we learn what his plan is from Genesis to Revelation. We learn his heart. We find a God who advocates for people. 
and we get in tune with that story, and then we connect to the body of Christ, the church, because all of a sudden it's not just us having to make all the decisions and it all being pressure on my best thinking, but we bring others in who are connected to the spirit, others in who are part of the body of Christ, and they help us work through what ways we go forward as a people, what ways we go forward as a family or in our jobs or in our lives. We don't have to do it alone. And by the Spirit, we get in sync with what God is doing. And there is joy there, and there is freedom there. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we don't know what God is doing, because we thought we were in sync with what was going on. We had a plan, and all of a sudden, the plan changes, sometimes rather drastically. You know, earlier when Rick had come up and I had said he had sent me some text messages about Kenya's house getting built and how quickly things were moving and how it just made me giggle. Well, sometimes you get text messages and emails that make you giggle and sometimes you get text messages and emails that just break your heart. Well, two years ago, I got one of those emails. You see, I had been working as a pastor in Madison for five years. And my role as pastor had changed from church planter to community pastor and community developer. And I was working on a project. And for a year, I had pushed all of my eggs into an area and a plan that I thought God was taking me and how churches were going to lean into communities better. And it was going well, and everything was going according to plan. We had prayed about it. We had brought the church in about it. We thought we knew what was going on. And then Sunday night, last Sunday of August, 10 p.m., I get an email, and that plan was destroyed. And it wasn't by my own making. It wasn't of my own choosing. Most of my problems, I create myself. This was one of those that it was someone else's decision. And it broke my heart. I remember just weeping in bed with my wife. And she was supportive, and she was loving, but she had to go to work the next day, so she eventually falls asleep. But I'm just a zombie and I am walking around my neighborhood that I had spent the last five years investing in and pouring into and walking with Jesus with and just asking God, what are you doing? How is this according to plan? I was working with you. I was working for you. Twelve hours later, 10 a.m., I get a phone call from Rick at Axleander saying, hey, we'd like you to come down and interview to be our pastor. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, Josh, that went really quick. Most of us don't get a 12-hour delay and then the plan. But the problem was the only time we were going to be able to fly in was during this small storm called Hurricane Harvey, right? And so we are literally flying in to Austin. And this is the only time I've heard a pilot say this. He says, okay, folks, we're going to hit some turbulence, so stay in your seats. I've heard that. But then he finally said, and do not hit the call button unless there is a medical emergency. I've never heard that before, right? I've never heard, unless you are literally dying, do not ask for help because that's how bad this is going to be. That is the plane ride we are coming into, into Austin, trying to figure out, God, are you bringing us here? And what was interesting about the whole experience was, yes, I was still heartbroken, and yes, we were still trying to figure it out, but as Erica and I worked and discerned, God, where do you want us? A peace came over us. Because we were praying together, we were searching the scriptures together, we were bringing in the body of Christ that was around us and asking, is this what God has for us next? And that peace allowed us to make a decision to come down here. And two years later, I'm still your pastor, you haven't kicked me out yet, God's still doing stuff. 
And it was beautiful. And it was messy. And it was God's plan A. Church, hear me clearly. You are still in God's plan A. He's still calling you into that dance that he's been doing throughout creation since he started. He's still calling you into his song. He is still recklessly chasing after you and climbing any mountain to be in a relationship with you. And yes, we make mistakes. And yes, there is still sin in our lives. But thankfully, his plan covers over that. And he invites us into a different way of living and loving and relating to him and to each other. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you just in awe of how wise and how powerful and how majestic your plan is. Lord, oftentimes our own small plans seem to thwart what you're doing, and yet what we see so clearly in Scripture is that nothing we do stops what you're up to. And yet, Father, Lord, we do come before you asking for forgiveness for the times where we have not acted in accordance to how you built us. Lord, when our sin, when our anger, when our whatever caused a breakdown in relationships between us and other people or us and you, Lord, we ask that you again wrap your arms around us and that because of Jesus that we are bold to come before a father who says, I forgive you, I love you, and I still have a plan for you. Lord, we pray that your spirit continues to speak your truth, your story, your plan into our lives. Lord, and that because we are equipped with the spirit, because we have a relationship with you as a father, because we have a Messiah who fights for us, Lord, that we can be confident to make decisions that are in sync with what you are doing. Lord, that we can be liberated not to have to be bound by thinking that we're God, but that we have a God who is so much more powerful and beautiful and a God who's still on plan A. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.